What's going on, guys? It's Mohammed, the host of Aware Alpha, and welcome to episode 69, 70, somewhere along the lines, okay? Uh, I just want to say I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for all the listeners, everyone that listens to this podcast, and take some information and start embodying it and implementing it in their day-to-day life. And at the end of the day, you know, everyone that is listening to this podcast, I appreciate you listening to it, and I appreciate you giving your time and energy to it. So my intentions are to always focus on bringing as much value as I can to the podcast listeners. At the same time, the individuals and the guests that I bring onto the show, I am almost, you know, I'm very strategic and calculated on who I bring onto the show because I want my heart to be oriented. I like to be heart oriented, meaning making decisions out of my heart and not out of my mind in the sense of like, Oh, go for the ones that have like millions of followers or this or this for like the, the, expectations of increasing my exposures to more listeners. When I start to bring these guests onto the podcast, I know I discovered them through my Instagram. And then I look into their pages and see if there's anything that they could bring to the audience. You know, what are they teaching and what are they embodying? And today's guest, I am super excited to bring her onto the show because looking through her page and the things that she's teaching, uh, not only on masculine and feminine energy, but just overall and how to become your most aware self. Uh, I truly believe that she's going to have some amazing things to share with us. Uh, I just want to tell you guys a little about her so you get an idea of who I'm bringing onto the show. She goes by the name of Laura, Laura Grant, and just a couple of things about her. So she's a spiritual teacher and intuitive coach who utilizes combination of her background music, business, education, and studies in spiritual science to provide service for humanity. She's a channel for the spirit world who is deeply connected to her ancestors and ancient wisdom. Her professional studies in early childhood development and the power of play, along with her love for the arts, create a unique framework for intuitive messages to flow. Through her own personal initiation process, she has come to a level of spiritual understanding that can be conceptualized in an organized manner that is ideal for supporting others, but balancing their masculine and feminine energies clearing karmic and ancestral patterns and elevating elevating their frequency. Man, I'm excited to talk to Laura already here. And also, just want to add a couple more things here. She's a lifelong learner who has accumulated knowledge from a wide area of great thinkers who has dared to share their innovative revelations with the public. But more importantly, her wisdom comes from integrating and applying this knowledge onto her own journey. She's an awakened feminine who is inspired by a higher power and dedicated to assisting with the ongoing evolution of the human collective. Whew! Thank you for coming on to the show, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Man, that was exciting. I was getting excited reading all that. So I have a question that comes to my mind. Uh, It said something about play in what I was just reading. Tell me a little about that on how could one use someone could use play to get in touch with their inner child or to get in touch to their feminine side or to discover more about themselves really overall. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, play is is such a huge part of the spiritual, you know, incorporating our spirituality, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of us forget about that mm-hmm. um, when we get into adulthood, right? Because we we think that play is something children do, mm-hmm. um, but learning to play is really this this concept of kind of like manipulating things. Um, not from, you know, a selfish perspective, Mm -hmm. right. That we can see manipulation from, but it's more of kind of like trying things out, seeing Mm -hmm. what happens and not being attached to any sort of outcome. So it's more of this, 
um, process-based instead of product-based okay. um, approach. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we all need to start integrating back into our lives in order to get to a place where we can, you know, one, like you said, bring in the divine feminine energy, right? Mm -hmm. And and two, it allows us to tap into that inner child that we've all, you know, kind of buried beneath all of these layers of wounds of ancestral programming and trauma mm -hmm. um, and all that stuff that we have to, you know, uncover in order to get back to that, that nature where mm -hmm. we're really just, you know, excited about things again. It's mm, interesting because I've been doing a lot of inner child work last year and, you know, it started with, I couldn't even really talk to my inner child. I didn't even know there wasn't an inner child to where now I take myself on dates. I spend time with my inner child. I write letters to it. I, we talk and have conversations like, you know, you're handsome, you're this, I'm proud of you. And play was something that I incorporated in a sense of, and play came to me from ecstatic dancing. So I do a lot of dancing and movement uh, where that's a way that I get in touch with my inner child in a way at times where if I feel rigid and I can't just feeling not there, I will go and dance, you know, put on some songs and ecstatic dancing and just let it flow. And then I notice the playfulness of the inner child that starts to come. And then I'm just having fun in the moment. Right. So that's what I heard when like when I read play there, I'm like, mm, interesting. And I'm glad to hear somebody else talking about this because a lot of things that I experience and I have embodied and do in my own practices, it's always exciting to hear someone else talk about that and uh, share that. So when you say play though, so like you weren't actually talking about like dancing or movement or like, or were you talking about that? Or is there, what, what are some other ways that with your clients, you share these kind of practices that embodies that concept of play in their life? Right. Yeah. So I kind of talked about it from this energetic perspective of, mm. you know, what's happening energetically mm. when we get to that place and, you know, how we get there is going to be different for every person. So mm. dancing, mm. Um, you know, going out in nature, mm. uh, writing poetry, mm. connecting, you know, writing letters to your inner child, however you get to that energy. Right. But it's, it's all about this, um, you know, letting go. And I think you mentioned the word rigidity, right. Mm. Not being being so structured, not feeling like everything has to be in the mind, getting mm -hmm. to this place where things can be a little bit more fluid, where they can be, where you can, you know, start feeling like you can create mm -hmm. and that you can create your own joy. And that starts getting us to this place where we can start to create our own life, right? So we get mm -hmm. into manifestation because that's what really manifestation is, is it's play. Mm -hmm. It's it's realizing that you're a co-creator with um, the higher powers or source or whatever you want to call it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, you know, twofold. It's like, you know, first we can access that energy through these things that we call play, mm -hmm. um, acting, um, even public speaking, all of these things could be forms of a play. It really depends on how you approach it. Mm -hmm. As long as you're approaching it as something that you're doing for joy mm -hmm. and it doesn't have any sort of like end product that needs to be created from it. I think then anything could be play. Mm, interesting. That's, that's, yeah, that's a great way to say it. And it's like, and as you were mentioning that uh, question that came to my mind is how did you get, how did you discover all this and when I say all this in a sense of like how did you get on this journey of where now you're teaching and sharing things on masculine feminine energies and doing the work and healing your ancestral wounds and all the things that I have read and seen on your 
uh, Instagram page. How did how did this all start for you? Because I don't feel like we live in this world where we don't like get out of high school and we're like, I'm going to be a Reiki coach, right? Or I'm going to be a healer. No, I feel like a lot of these things happens while we start embarking on our journey of what the society, culture, family expects of us and, you know, get a good job and do this and all that. And then eventually we get something happens and we realize that, you know, either like everything is happening and there's some things happening for me and I have to really acknowledge these things before I can really be happy. It's not the money. It's not the relationship. It's not this. It's actually something within myself. And then we get curious and you start to do the so-called inner work, right? That, and then eventually some of us become to the point where like, you know what, wow, this changed my life. And now I want to help other people change their lives. Right. And then we start that process. So I'm curious, how did it all start for you? That's such a great question, Mohammed. I, for me, you know, play was always something that was important to me. Mm. Um, I grew up as the only child in the home mm. and I was very imaginative. So I was constantly, you know, playing and entertaining myself. Mm. And then that turned into writing poetry when I was 12, which then turned into songwriting. Mm. Um, so I was, you know, a singer. Um, and then I started working in the entertainment industry, but it was around the time like in my early twenties where I realized that, you know, going to college for music and then going on to the entertainment side of the business and going into marketing and things like that, I thought, okay, you know, this is taking away from the reason why I love music, mm -hmm. um, the reason why I love to create. And I also noticed that a lot of people around me were also, you know, dealing with these inner child wounds that they had not dealt with, right? Um, or, you know, they were entertaining inner child wounds that they hadn't really seen yet. And I was drawn to towards um, working as a play teacher. So I saw just like an ad for some, they needed someone to come in that kind of had like an acting background and a singing background. Mm -hmm. And they taught us about child development. And I, I got that job um, mm -hmm. as a play teacher. Mm. And that was around the time, I think also at that time I had my, I was pregnant with my first son. So, you know, I was really going deep into inner child mm. and that's really what pulled me back into that. And I started studying child development and that's when I started healing my own inner child. And it was through studying mm. play mm. and then actually playing with young children and then with my own children. Mm. How important would you say as the inner child work that you have done has been uh, to your success and happiness overall in life, to where you are today, let's say, uh, and how you feel and how everything is going on in your life, how important was, and it's a work that's always happening, right? So it's not that I'm not saying that you've done that work, but how important that work has been towards your own happiness and your own joy and love and, you know, success in your own relationships and everything. How important has that been? I think it's, it's been just a main part of my life. And I think that's how I've kept my feminine energy alive, mm. so to speak for so long. And I've spent, you know, I always tell people I've spent most of my adult life with children. Mm. Um, which has allowed me, you know, it's actually kept me kind of in the safe space where I am allowed to be, be silly and have fun and express myself mm -hmm. um, in different ways than if I were, you know, in a more serious line of work. Um, of course, teaching, you know, has the other component to it, right, where, um, because I later after, you know, 
teaching that play class, I went on to um, study child development and got certified as a teacher and went into teaching. So there's also this very um, structured side of that. But a lot of the time you get to spend with children. Mm -hmm. And I also spent a lot of time then with my own children. And what it did for me is it kept my inner child alive. So I would say I had a little different Um, of an experience than others, because I feel like my inner child never truly got lost, Mm. maybe only for those few years that I went into the, um, you know, marketing entertainment side, but it was kind of always still there. Mm. And that's why I had to leave. So I've just kind of been on this ongoing process of keeping my inner child alive. Mm. Um, And I can say that, you know, as I balance it out more with my masculine energy Mm. um, and really put it into a purpose, Mm. it has really um, benefited me and in ways that I can't even express. Mm. Um, I just feel so much gratitude Mm. to be able to live the life that I have, you know, with all these challenges. And I've had a lot of I've had a lot of heavy, dark nights of the soul. I've Mm. had to cut out a lot of like family members and from all the ancestral trauma, like I incarnated Mm. really into heavy, heavy karmic cycles, right? Mm. Really scary stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But because I kept that inner child alive with me and took her with me, right? As I continued to grow, it allowed me to continue to bounce back. And Mm. I think that's the most important thing, right? Is if we're connected to that inner child Mm. and if we're able to get to that place and that feminine place to the divine feminine then we continue to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps even in the darkest times Mm, it's interesting yeah no you said so perfectly um like for me my inner child like I didn't even know anything about it I'm 31 now and like this last year so in the last 18 months let's say is when I discovered even the concept like oh there's an inner child and that uh, experiences and everything that inner child went between zero and like eight or nine has shaped me into the person that I am today. And most of the times when I'm in my relationships and when I'm reacting in a certain way, it's not actually me, it's actually the inner child. And, and that's how I started to become curious because I was in a very, um, very deep, authentic relationship last year with a woman that really brought my inner child out and helped me meet my inner child in a way. Right. And it was just, it was very emotional time. Like we, we had an interesting experience. We both learned a lot from each other and we both brought a lot of value into each other's lives. Obviously we weren't aligned. So we, it didn't last, but like the experience was so amazing because I discovered my inner child and I started to realize like that I actually, you know, had a very traumatic childhood experiences. And I grew up in Afghanistan, a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't really ever acknowledge till only last year. And so when I was like working with a therapist and like I have a couple of people in my inner circle that are very well educated about this topic, they were like, they would always tell me like, this little child has been abandoned for like 20, 22, 23 years, you know? So uh, if you like for myself, uh, for almost six to eight months, what happened when I started to do inner child work, I started to write a letter to it. And for like weeks and weeks, nothing would come out. And then for next, literally after 30 days, the letter started with just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then it led to where for like five, six months, I was just crying during my meditations for like 45 minutes an hour. And, but I was aware enough to know that that was my inner child expressing itself. And those were tears that, you know, I wanted to cry. So I acknowledged and I sat with those emotions. And then it got to the point where I started to have conversations with my inner child and you know, what do you need the most from me right now? Oh, I need this and this. So that's when I knew like, it's just like, it's, 
it's feeling safer and safer with me uh, to the point where like now we go on dates and like it has, it has really done a lot for me in my own life. Uh, um, and just learning to love myself better, really, that's been the lesson for myself. Um, the thing that comes to my mind is so masculine and feminine energy, like what does those words mean to you? And I, I ask that because I'm, I believe that those are just words to deepen someone's understanding and get them curious about topics. And then they can look deep within the topic, but really they're just energies. They're just different types of energies. And, and you just want to pay attention to all these types of energies and acknowledge them and process them and understand them and all these things. But the masculine feminine energy though it's, it's a, a great way to like kind of give you an understanding you know it's like the masculine is decision structure this feminine intuition feelings all this it does help like it still helps me get an understanding of it right uh but i'm curious to hear your uh your thoughts on like what comes to you when you hear masculine and feminine energy and what are your thoughts on it and and just yeah anything that you share on that yeah, I, I see masculine and feminine energy, right, as a way to organize, um, again, what is energy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and energy isn't something that really can be put in a box and mm -hmm. really clearly defined, mm -hmm. but we try our best so that we could communicate with each other and so that we can, you know, um, put some sort of structures or systems in place to express what we're experiencing like shared experiences with others because I do feel that all of us are kind of going through the same journey in some way but playing different characters mm. so the way that I see masculine and feminine energy is you know it's like one way you can see it right is the masculine is the ego and the feminine is the soul Mm. Um, or you could see the masculine as like the headspace, like mm -hmm. the logic and the reason and the feminine more as like the intuition mm. and the spiritual connection. Mm. So it's just really this way to explain these two types of energies that we experience in the world because of duality, mm. because we are here on the physical plane, right? And we are living out a spiritual experience in mm. physical bodies in this yeah. physical avatar. So it's really just kind of an, a way to explain that um, really it's, it's almost a conflict, right? And that's why we do see so much conflict between masculine and feminine energy. And we do play it out in relationships and it can play out as a gender war, although mm. it doesn't have anything to do really specifically with gender, but we do play it out mm. because um, our relationships are a manifestation of what's going on with our own masculine and feminine energy. Mm. Um, but really, you know, I see it as a way to kind of heal this ongoing conflict between am I a soul or am I a human? Mm. And it's coming into this knowing that we're both mm. and that we have to, you know, keep one foot in the spiritual realm and one foot on the ground here in the mm. physical. And uh, that's what masculine and feminine energy coming into union means to me. Interesting. I thought of the sentence, um, we are the creator and we are the creation, as you were saying that, um, which I don't know if it goes with it, but that just what came to my mind. Um, so the listeners, I because I've started to, um, I have a, a coaching program, I help men get over watching porn. Uh, and that's what my coaching program and my courses. And I also have a course, a meditation program. And what's happening is as I'm like, just changing and evolving, I'm actually, um, 
wow, I just I think the first time I'm saying this. So whoever that's listening to this is gonna get to get this information. Uh, but I'm actually thinking about I'm in the works of coming out with an inner child program as well. Uh, so just you know, sharing in modules and videos and just just sharing with people how to do it, right? Uh, just bringing value in that space because it has done a lot for me. Um, so if someone is listening and they're curious about inner child work and they're thinking like, so how do I start this inner child work? What would you say to them? Like, how would you get them started? What would be a couple of tips that you would give them so they can start this journey of uh, inner child work, we call it? Yeah, well, I think, you know, there's two ways that you can go at the inner child work, right? Um, and the first way would be um, kind of what you were describing, right, with that shadow work that we have to do. So all of the pain that our inner child went through, um, that we went through in our childhood, that has to be addressed, right? Because mm -hmm. there's no way to access any of that playful, joyful nature, if all of those wounds are, are on top of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so definitely, I think that that's so important, right? To, to, to not run away from all that pain, because mm -hmm. we tend to, um, you know, stuff it down, right? So that we can operate here mm -hmm. in the physical reality, keep a job and things like that, and be resp mm -hmm. a responsible adult. And, um, you know, so going in and doing, you know, therapy, whatever, whatever you need to do to get to this point where you're actually looking at your wounds is the first step. Um, but the second part of it, I think is getting into this place of joy again okay. and wonder and excitement with the world. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, you know, I look at my own children and, you know, they're a little older now, but like when they were toddlers, you know, it was just like, everything was exciting to them. Mm -hmm. And I got to relive all of these, um, you know, experiences in a different way. It's like just going to the zoo or something or somewhere, right. That, mm -hmm. that for an adult, it's like, we, yeah, this is, this is fun. We're going to this, but if you watch it through child's eyes and they have never seen an animal before, like it's their first time seeing a giraffe or something like that, you experience this wonder, mm -hmm. um, and this like unlimited possibilities, right. That's one thing about the inner child is that, you know, children, because they're new, you know, they've just come here in, onto the physical plane, right? They have so much potential, so much like mm -hmm. open potential, right? Of what they can become mm -hmm. um, and what they can do with their life. It's like they have a complete blank canvas. So seeing that and getting back in touch with that and understanding that you can rewrite your story, mm -hmm. I think is a big part of the inner child work. Mm, it's interesting. You know, so when one of the things I was really fascinated with uh, and I was intrigued to ask you a couple of questions, by the way, that was, that was really good. And a part of me wants to get deeper on inner child work, but then part of me is actually curious about, uh, so you do a lot of, uh, like you mentioned ancestral wounds, right? Um, and so I'm actually curious to learn more on that in the sense of, so I'm doing a lot of this inner child work and ego work the last two, three years. Right. And, and I'm realizing and that I went through these experiences and these, my parents had these experiences with me and all these things happen. And one of the things I'm becoming curious in the last two, three months is where like my, uh, my sister and um, they talk a lot about that. It's not just what happened in this generation. It's also, you know, 
that are my grandfather and great grandfather and your aunt. And I also read stories on a sense of like, sometimes let's say I'm living this life and I find out that I'm actually trying to live my uncle's purpose and not my own purpose. And, and let's say I'm trying to live and travel the world. And I find out that my uncle was actually someone that really wanted to travel the world, but he never got to travel the world. And then I'm actually trying to live is uh, vision of what he had and I got to figure out what is my own vision for my life anyway just some things that just came to kind of my mind right but I'm curious to just hear your thoughts on ancestral I don't like anything ancestral not even ancestral trauma but like is is that a real thing and I'll ask I'll say another thing so I after this I want to get deep into uh, ask you about soul and like what is a soul in a sense of like I've heard that like the average soul lives 20,000 years uh, uh, on average or whatever and I'll share another thought with you so I meet people where like I just hit it off super good with them right and I have had them say like there's been many amazing divine feminines in my life these last two years and like we just hit it off and then like they will say like we definitely met in the past life or we definitely met here. Uh, we lived a couple of lifetimes together. And our, I had a friend actually today, I was on FaceTime with her and she's like, I, I did a, uh, like my last uh, boyfriend, I had a, uh, I did a past life regression or something. And I seen that he was in it. Right. So all these things I just showed it to you, these are all new concepts to me, but I'm very intrigued to dig deeper into. Right. So let's start with ancestral on like what does that even mean and how does that actually affect us like the what my grandmother and grandfather and people that i didn't see uh does that affect me and how how back does it go how many generations back does it go and just yeah share anything on that because i'm very curious yeah yeah so you know the way that i look at it right is that it's it's ego conditioning so -hmm. if you look at you know child development you understand that when we we come in when we incarnate when we're born we're then instilled with um like these codes almost and these rules Mm -hmm. um and it's almost unspoken rules right these belief systems that our family and our parents have that they push upon us right um mostly unbeknownst to them right because they are not even if they're not conscious of them, Mm. then they're not conscious to break the cycle. So, you know, the way that our parents speak to us then begins to help to form our ego identity. Mm. And that's something that we actually, you know, we need at first to develop an attachment to the physical reality. But as we become more of our soul, right? Mm. And we tap into our soul essence, which is kind of getting into the second part of your question here, right? We then have to discard all of that programming that was placed upon us. Mm. And this programming comes not just from our parents, but our parents' parents and their parents, right? Because if no one caught it and saw it for what it was, then there's no way for it to stop. So. The ancestral work that I do when I'm working with clients one-on-one is that, you know, the first step I believe is to become aware of the patterns and to see the patterns. So if you can Mm -hmm. see the patterns and you can see, okay, this is, this is the role that my parents played and this is why, and even, you know, researching the history of your family and what they've been through. If you can look at all the traumas, right. You know, it's like for those that have, Um, family that was in America, right? Like the Great Depression, for example, or, you know, serving in the world wars um, would be part of that ancestral trauma. So you begin to understand like why they reacted the way they did or why they saw love the way that they did. And then you get to this place of forgiveness too, right? Where we can forgive them because we understand that people can only love at the level of consciousness that they have 
themselves and you know humanity is constantly ascending we're working on ascending so we just constantly want to do like a little bit better than the past generation so we also have to you know thank them for what they gave us see the trauma see the wounding see the patterns and then begin to detach from it and then connect to our soul self which then i think that comes into that you know second part of your question where I believe that, you know, it's an around your thirties, you begin to start calling in soul family. So people that you had past lives with, mm. and it's like you, you're releasing the conditioning from those first 30 years of being around what I call karmic family and friends. And then you get to this point where you're releasing all of, I mean, you're bringing, calling in these past life connections, and then you're having to process those as well. And that's a whole nother level. And um, that's when you start remembering that you are an infinite being, right? Mm -hmm. That you didn't just come here one time. This is not just like a one and done thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And you begin to understand that, you know, we do reincarnate um, many times and that it takes lifetimes to learn these lessons. Mm, that's interesting so you're saying in a sense of like my soul here right and my sounds weird because but like the soul this 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 consciousness in this physical body right now in this suit right you're saying that this has come into this uh into earth before in other past lives through not only human but i could have been an insect i could have been a flower i could have is that what you're saying like where like we live whole bunch of past lives and we come in those past lives we could have been anything else but we have been down this um we have been on earth before like it's not my first time here that's what you're saying right well you know it can get into this you know it's like like what is con you know consciousness like what is awareness what can be aware so you know it's it's hard to say you know what we experienced uh you know at the state where we were incarnating and there was just like the mineral kingdom here right Mm -hmm. like there is this evolution that is constantly happening and when you get into this oneness you understand that you are part of the formation of the earth right Mm -hmm. you played a role if everything is one then our consciousness existed somewhere when Mm -hmm. the earth was just the earth right Mm. and when there was just ocean here and so we we were we were aquatic beings at some point Mm. you know so it's like our our consciousness was constantly expanding until we became um sentient beings Mm. and you know for most of us like the memories begin with human lives Mm. and you can meet people who then trigger those memories of those past human lives Mm, wow like this was so good this last five minutes was so good like i learned some stuff expanded my mind and got me very curious which means i'm gonna look and dig deeper within um and i love the way you explained it and what i got from it was what i say overall is like if how how can i become more aware how can i become more happier compassionate better all these things those questions that most people have right or how can i heal my childhood trauma ancestral trauma and all these things and And what I say is that start by paying attention to your feelings, you know, start by paying attention to how you feel and how you think. And then what you shared was about ancestral things. Like I would suggest start paying attention at the, your family cycles and family, the way things were, the way you grew up and ancestral, you mentioned 
what I got from that is like, how could I discover more about my own ancestral is by start to dig deeper within the last couple of generations of my own family. Where did my family grow up? Where did my uncles grow up? Where did my grandfathers grow up? How were they towards me? How was my grandfather towards my father? And how was my grandmother towards my father? And, and also on my mom's side, same things. And, and just simply pay attention because I feel like, and you can tell me if I'm, uh, I'm right or wrong for feeling like, um, that's what I feel like is the essence of this in the sense is like by simply start to pay attention, which will increase your understanding and self-awareness and give you more clarity. Because if you find out all of a sudden that, you know, like grandfather was always criticizing grandfather uh, and you're like, oh, wow, well, that's why my father always criticized me. Then it's not his fault. He only was doing what he knew from his own father. Uh, so if my father always expressed in slapping me in the face, and like, well, and then find out that grandfather was very abusive and he was an army. Well, like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, my father just didn't know how to express his emotions and his anger. And all he knew was to slap me in the face. But that's all he got. Uh, and in me, so I'm someone that's in my inner circle, my family, like I'm known to, when I say known, I mean like, so I'm someone that has broken a lot of generational uh, curses and trauma and like the dysfunctional things that was happening. And it, which in return inspired my two sisters to start doing the work. And so this whole family, uh, the dysfunctional things that was happening the last generations within our family cycle is, I don't want to say it's all ended, but it has, there's a stop and there's a new cycle that started in the last five years as I have started to do this inner work of just acknowledging myself, loving myself and getting more deeper within myself. And we can use words like I've done the shadow work and the ego work and the inner child work, all those things. Right. But I feel like at the end of the day, all those just, you know, it's to deepen your own understanding of yourself and, mm -hmm. and just get more in tune with yourself and become more heart centered, operated and oriented meaning to operate more out of your heart center uh and your intuition whatever you want to call it right um but yeah that's so interesting like the stuff that you shared i'm always like uh so what's past life regression so what is what is that it's like because i was gonna ask my friend earlier um but i'm curious because i'm sure the listeners are also like very curious about it so what is a past life regression or what does that look like yeah. So I've, you know, I think in my late twenties, I was really interested in, um, exploring past lives, but it really wasn't time yet. Mm -hmm. So I did go to, um, healers who were able to call things in and to be completely honest, a lot of the times it did not resonate. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the opportunity for me to strengthen my own discernment and say, okay, mm -hmm. no, this, this does not resonate with me. I don't know what yeah. this is <laughs> or like calling in like past family members and things like that. And I'm like, no, that's, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, not to say that there aren't people who have those skills, right. Who can mm -hmm. do that. But my own personal belief is that it happens when it's supposed to happen mm -hmm. and it happens from us right mm -hmm. so we meet a person we feel the soul connection kind of like what you were speaking of earlier yeah. with um a lot of these women that carry this divine feminine energy that you've met recently right and you notice that if you notice right away you can feel it it's it's this memory that goes beyond um this life right mm -hmm. it's like a deep sort of deja vu sense and mm -hmm. you can't really put a finger on it because there's no framework in your current 
brain right mm. to make sense of this past life because ever, up until that point everything that you formulated within your your own mind right has to do with this life so it kind of expands your consciousness outside of just your own brain and mm. then you have to connect to you know what many call the akashic records mm. right which holds it's like a massive brain that mm. holds all of the memories of all humans right of all souls, I should say. Mm. And um, I believe that, you know, you will, when it's time, meet the people who trigger that awakening. And then it's up to you. Do you want to look at it or not? Mm. Do you want to honor that feeling mm. inside of you that, whoa, this is deeper than just a regular connection, right? Um, and then it's up to you to like dig a little bit deeper. And I think we get visions and dreams, but most importantly, and I, I often tell people, I'd say, you know, I think it's important not to, um, dwell on the past lives and get too caught in them because mm. we have to be aware of that. You know, the fact that we are here in this current situation. Right. And the only reason really that the past lives are coming in is to give us a chance to again, connect these patterns. And a lot of times these past life connections, like they can be extremely beautiful, but sometimes they also just have like a, um, let's say like an expiration date, right? Um, they're, they're, they come in to teach you a lesson, to remind you of some sort of patterns that you may be repeating from your past lives mm -hmm. and then give you an opportunity to level up um, and to go further into like deeper integration of your soul. Mm -hmm. So I think that it just happens authentically. That's really my answer to that question, right? I don't think that we have to go out and search for it. Mm -hmm. I don't even think we have to go deep into meditation for it. I think that when it's time you call in the people that you have soul connections with and there's just it's undeniable right at that point you just feel it and you're like wow okay there's something here um that is deeper but than what i understand here um from this lifetime mm, no it's so true and thank you for being honest as well and not just giving a random answer on that but actually sharing your honest opinion because it is i, I feel like at the end of the day all these things are just tools and resources to um if it gets you curious, you can look into it and it can lead to something else. And that process can lead to just more self-awareness and understanding yourself overall at the end of the day, right? Um, it's interesting to me. So as I'm like talking to you right now, I'm also curious to know, so do you meditate? Like, do you like, do you practice gratitude? Like, I'm curious to know like what, like uh, not really a day in your life looks like, but like what are your tools or your habits or part of your routine, I guess that, that, that you do, are you still committed with? Yeah. So I, that's, that's, I'm glad you asked that. Cause I, I probably have a very like unconventional answer here. Mm -hmm. I don't really have any sort of spiritual practices. Now I did in mm. the past, you know, I practiced yoga for many, many years. Mm. Um, and I will still do it every once in a while. Mm. Um, and I went to like a few meditation um, gatherings um, mm. when I was in yoga, like certain studios would have things like that. And I'll be honest, I would just sit there, I would be bored, or mm. I would just get distracted. And I just really couldn't tap into that energy. And I wanted to, yeah. I so wanted to, but I found for me, and it's, it's interesting, because I'll, I'll never forget, there was this one day that I was, I was traveling, I think I was at something for a, fam, a family get together. And I had my son there, my oldest son was probably about five, 
five and he was sitting next to me. And this woman who worked at the hotel came up to me and she said, where did you guys just go? And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you guys clearly went somewhere together. So Mm -hmm. I was just sitting next to my son and we just kind of started daydreaming. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, people have always commented that my son does this. It's like, he looks into the corner of his eye when Mm -hmm. he's like retrieving information or like going somewhere else. So people can really tell when he does that. And I guess I do that too. So you may have picked that up for me, but I remember she was like, yeah, you guys just did a journey. Mm-hmm. And it clicked for me and I was like, wow, okay, so I'm going to these like yoga gatherings and meditation things, but I'm actually doing this all the time and I've been doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's when I just kind of allow myself, I give myself the space yeah. to allow my mind to just wander. Mm-hmm. And then I start retrieving things, um, making patterns in my mind, doing all these sorts of things. Um, you know, music is huge for me. So, you know, I create my own music. So when I'm singing, um, like especially my, my own songs, mm-hmm. right, I can go into like this trance state. And it's just something that happens, like even like in the shower sometimes. I know a lot of people, like a lot of clients, especially masculine clients that I have, they're like, well, I don't really sit down and meditate. And I'm like, well, do you ever kind of like daydream when you're in the shower and they're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. All the time. I'm like, you're meditating. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always tell people, I'm like, you don't have to put on a white robe and sit on a pillow in Lotus position with a mudra, right? It is something that just kind of happens when you allow yourself the space Mm -hmm. and the freedom to just let your mind, um, explore and wander and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It's just paying attention. Really. I feel like it's just, intentionally taking the time to spend time with yourself and then in those times you know things can happen so you can either watch your thoughts or you can see what comes up or you can focus on your breath or whatever it is but I think what I got from you there was like it seems like you're still you know taking the time to sit with your thoughts or watch your thoughts or and just go on a journey um, which is giving yourself the time right because if you didn't have the time and if you're moving around doing a whole bunch of stuff it would be hard to just you know take your mind on a journey right so no that's amazing uh so where do you live by the way like what country are you in i'm in the u.s in the u.s okay where in the u.s i'm on the west coast yeah uh like what state what uh like it's not province i guess it would be state yeah what state um, like I'm the northern, I never really go into exactly where I am, but I'm like in the northern West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So like, I mean, like the name of the state is it like Texas, Colorado? Like that's what I mean. Like what? Uh, I don't even know if it's state. Yeah, it is a state. It's not in Canada. It's province. So like, I'm in the province of Alberta. I don't know if. Uh... Oh, so you're in Canada. Yeah, I'm in Canada. Okay. Okay. So I'm like, I'm under you. I've never really say, I've never really disclosed what exact state I'm in. Okay, <laughs> so I just okay. kind of leave that open. But yeah, I'm in the US and. Because okay. um, I, yeah, yeah. I have been to the US. I've done road trips from Michigan to Arizona. Uh, so like oh, nice. 30, 40, like long couple of day road trips with a whole bunch of people. And like, we just explored the US. Uh, this was in 2016, 17, 18. And then I've gone to like Salt Lake City. Uh, Las Vegas and Colorado, a couple of states like that. But now I'm actually very intrigued to go to like Montana. It's a place that I want to go. I've become this like nature mountain caveman in the last couple of years. Like I just like to explore. Uh, so Montana has been something that's been on my list. And like, I'd love to go to Montana and like Yellowknife and just actually explore 
the park itself. Um, but yeah, that's what I was asking because I was curious. I wonder if you were like in the mountains or something because I am. I'm very big, <laughs> that. very big on, um, yeah, just spending time. Like like I said, Montana is literally it's been on my mind. And right now, I think the border is recently open, so I've been actually thinking about like uh, for like May, June, July. Uh, me and a couple of friends were just trying to think of a way where are we gonna go like do three weeks of just RV and camping, or are we gonna stay at Airbnb? But yeah, Montana is definitely a place that I'm uh, very uh, very fascinated with. You know. Oh, I would I would highly recommend it. What I will say is that I spent most of my life living um, in Chicago. Okay, okay. Um, and so I, I was like a city, city mm. person, right? And uh, around the time of my awakening, I decided I, you know, I, I would say there's no actual awakening, right? Mm. Um, you know, I had like my first dark night of the soul when I was 14 years old. So it's been an ongoing process, but there was this point that I reached where I said, I just, I don't want to live in a city anymore. Mm. So I just moved out into nature because I wanted to be surrounded by the mountains. Mm. I wanted to be able to hike. And I had lost interest in like going to the mall or the movies. I haven't been in a movie theater. I think it's been like 12 years mm. since I've been in, you know, to see a movie. So, you know, I just, and it wasn't this thing where I'm like, I'm spiritual now yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to participate in any of this. It really was just this natural thing where I just lost interest in, mm. you know, watching television. I lost interest in all these things and I just became more connected to the earth. Mm. And so my idea of entertainment is going on a hike. Yeah, mountains and mm. putting my feet into a, a river, you know, and wading through like that's what I love to do. No, I'm a hundred percent with you. That's literally if you check my Instagram the last couple of months, I'm actually literally been just exploring the mountains and uh different parks and different, yeah, like that's literally the story of my life. <laughs> like I love nice. that. Um, so if someone is listening to the podcast and they're like the dark night of the soul, uh how could you just describe that? Like what the, what does that mean? What does that look like or what is that? Um, I'm curious myself as well. Yeah, it's, it's for me, it's really this point where our ego kind of witnesses itself, mm. I feel. And, you know, my first dark night of the soul, and, you know, this would probably be the first time that I'm going to talk about this mm. and I, um, haven't ever. So on your podcast, will be the first time I've had other podcasts and I've never gone this deeply, but, um, you know, Thank I went into, <laughs> I went into a deep depression when I was 14 and, you know, I tried to take my life. Mm. So mine was extremely um, painful, extremely uh, traumatic. Mm. Um, I was lucky I survived. Mm. Um, so a dark night can be something like that, right? It can be extremely, extremely heavy. Um, mm. Or, you know, it could be more of this point of like, just where you're reaching rock bottom, mm -hmm. where, you know, you just feel like nothing is working anymore. And I, I see it as almost this opportunity to, to reset your life. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you hit this wall, where you just can't continue living the way that you've lived, mm -hmm. then you hit this point where it's just like, um, it's almost like a zero point where like the, the, 
four drops from beneath you right and there's just nothing there and it feels like this endless like void of like dropping into mm -hmm. darkness like that you there's no way to get up it's like almost like falling down the rabbit hole right and mm -hmm. there's nothing to grab onto to pull yourself back up mm -hmm. and i found every single time i've had these dark nights i've had to find something within me that makes me want to pull myself up out of the hole Mm. that I just something to grab onto while I'm falling down this abyss into darkness that just keeps me wanting to be here, especially being, you know, someone who, you know, attempted to take my life, you know, at such mm -hmm. a young age, right. I've had to, you know, learn, um, at a very young age, how to find this inspiration to live, to be here. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's gotten easier, you know, every single year past that, right. You know, I'm like getting closer to 40 now. So that's really far in my past. Mm. Um, but I see this dark night really as this, um, opportunity to witness your ego and then allow your soul to come back in a little bit more as well too mm. so it's like you know again it's like two parts to this right it's mm. the finding something to inspire you to keep going and that's also this opportunity to let and, and I'm I'm cautious about using the term ego death because I don't believe that the ego really dies mm. I think that it more it's more of an alignment with the soul yeah. but it's this opportunity to soften the ego a little bit when you go through the dark night so that you can incorporate a little bit more of your infinite um, mm -hmm. being inside of the avatar. Mm -hmm. It's like making a little bit more room for that, that spiritual sense mm -hmm. in the physical body. Like, and this, tell me if I'm right. So I, the way you describe it, I'm thinking, so dark night of soul is like a tough time in your life. And the ego is, you know, just like, it's, going and it's it's happening and when you say to incorporate the soul is what i take from that is to incorporate more love right to love and still have compassion and still be kind and accept that you're going through this time right now but it's going to get better and this is just another you know like it's, it's 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 part of my journey in a way like is that accurate in a way like just have yeah, more love I, in a way I, I'm glad you brought up the love because I think it's, it's, it's an opportunity to practice self-love mm -hmm. because a lot of times when you have those dark nights, right. Or you hit rock bottom, there's nothing to, to brag about, right. Mm -hmm. There's no um, external um, rewards that are going to come your way. You can't post about, you're not going to post about it on mm -hmm. your Instagram. Right. And, and have a bunch of people be like, yes, you're dark night of the soul. Look at how well you're doing. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> so you've got to start to like, love the mess a little mm -hmm. bit. And for me, that's been just a huge part of my healing process is, is loving my messy human self mm. because I've had many dark nights of the soul and it's, it's not anything to be proud of, but I've gotten to the point where I kind of am where mm. I'm like, wow. Okay. So, you know, here's another reset. Here it comes. It's like, I'm realizing that there's still more for me to work on. I'm mm -hmm. still human. I'm still here, like learning lessons and I'm going to do this. And it's like, I have this, this motivation in me now, um, that like, even if I hit a tough patch, like a rough patch, then I know that it's going to actually bring me a lot more wisdom mm -hmm. and it's going to actually help me to feed into my purpose and to be creating the life that I truly want. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to give me this opportunity to release some things or attachments to old patterns and old ways of operating that were not working for me. So I kind of, although I wouldn't say I embrace them, 
I don't really look forward to them, but I'm more, I'm, I'm less reluctant to drop into that space now. Mm. And it's because of the self-love. It's because I, I truly do finally love myself. And, and that's where I wish, you know, for everyone to get to that place. Mm, that's been a topic that I've been talking about a lot. I host a, a man circle here in town. And I mean, you know, like self-love is something I talk about a lot and I encourage and I, I believe some of the most beautiful things that happened for me when I started to love myself and respect myself and really see myself for who I really am, which in return has manifested into attracting higher caliber partners in my life and in my business and overall because of by loving myself, respecting myself, it's leading me to, you know, have um in my standards have increased in a way right so because the more you love yourself the more you see your specialness your uniqueness and so i one of the things about shadow work that i learned was like uh, i said befriend your demons and because your demons can teach you a lot so for me it's like what i mean by that is like learning to love all the dark side of myself like the insecure side the 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 uh, the child that goes and has tantrums and all those things so learning to love all those parts of myself has only made me more human. And I am, like, when you were saying like, uh, like I'm very proud of it. I talk about it. I, I share it. It's like, I'm like accepting and loving those parts of myself has led to more self-love realizing that I'm only human. I have insecurities. I have issues. I have days where I'm emotional. I have days that I cry. I have days that I go through all these things, but I acknowledge and I sit and I process these emotions because this is all me and not just, the good things this is all me and i'm all human right so yeah i'm very big on that in the sense of accepting it and being super proud of it and and like the, it's it's what helps us you know really enjoy the good things in life because if you don't feel the darkness or you don't experience darkness how are you going to learn uh, to enjoy the light right you know so it's same thing like if you don't experience sadness, how can you enjoy happiness? Like all these, that contrast, right? So yeah, I'm very big on that. You know, I really believe that for us to truly be happy and have self-love is that we got to start to love those parts of ourselves that we have pushed to the side, you know, and we can call it a shadow, right? But all those things, it's got to come back up to the surface and say, you know what? I love you. I acknowledge you. Uh, this is part of me and you know if i have an accent and i can't pronounce words sometimes and i always thought that was didn't make it wasn't cool or something no that's okay the accent the way i pronounce those words is a part of me and i'm going to embody it and be very proud of it right which comes which leads to a lot of beautiful things right um one of the last question i'll ask here and it's just so for yourself these days um you have a program and you help do you only help men or do you also help women uh, well do you only help women or do you also help men or is it like both, both? yes okay. yeah definitely both that's interesting and what do you feel like like men these days are lacking and it could be a lot of things right but i'm curious to know really like what's the first things or second thing comes where like what do you feel from your experience that men are lacking that is the reason why they're not achieving success or happiness or joy, great relationships and all those things in their life. What is that one thing you feel? Well, I definitely, I feel that, you know, the work that you do is so important because um, a lot of men are giving away their sacral energy. Yeah. Um, 
you know, in these like lustful situations or to pornography and things like that. So that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that men are also giving away their sacral energy. Um, There's a lot, you know, I feel that this, this time Mm -hmm. in human ascension, right. Or human history, Mm -hmm. or it will be history, right. Is all about um, getting to this place where we're not giving away our energy to like what you could call like the dark mother archetype Mm. also. So there's a lot of like mother wounds and father wounds. Mm. So there's kind of like a lot of like weak father energy and then like distorted feminine energy. And I see that, I see that a lot. Mm. Um, That's not with everyone, but you know, especially men like in their thirties and forties and fifties, I see it. Um, where it's like their, their father gave, oh, like, kind of like gave in, like gave up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the mother energy stepped in or the feminine energy stepped in, in this kind of like distorted, mm-hmm. um, power. Mm-hmm. And it really keeps men in this place of like feeling weak, um, self-sabotaging, giving away their sacral energy. And then it feeds mm-hmm. into like the porn industry and all of that. So, mm-hmm. Um, I really think that, you know, it's for men and women, because I see it as an energy that we have in both of us is strengthening our masculine energy and empowering it again, so that it's not giving away. And so that it's not like a puppet to um, external feminine energy. And, Mm. you know, whether it's giving it away by lusting after women or, um, you know, giving it away, I also see feminine energy can be like religions or doctrines or things like that. So like Mm -hmm. spirit, there could be like a spiritual um, feminine energy that comes in and tries to like teach you this is the path. Mm -hmm. And then you give your energy away to that instead of finding your own path, or there could actually be physical women that come in and are trying to control you or manipulate you emotionally manipulate. So I see a lot of that right now with men that's that holding them back. Mm, That's so interesting that you shared that. And like, for me personally, the most success came into my life is when I started to realize that my sexual energy, like taking control of it and actually using that energy to achieve, you know, start a business, a side hustle, whatever it is. It has been a massive, massive game changer. Um, Yeah. And I just want to say, you know, as we finish off the podcast here, I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for jumping on here and sharing everything that you shared. I'm definitely sure that the audience are going to take some uh, information away from it and start, hopefully you guys start implementing it in your day-to-day life. Um, let the audience know where they can find you and I'll add that in the detail section of the podcast. Yes. So I am on Instagram. My handle is, uh, at Laura, the woken mind. Um, I also have a website, thewokenmind.com and you can find me there. I also do, um, weekly, uh, YouTube videos where Mm -hmm. I tap into the collective energies. Um, Mm -hmm. and that channel is Laura, the woken mind. Amazing. So guys, I'm going to add those details in the uh, detail section of the podcast and lastly as we finish off here like i said laura thank you so much for jumping on um and yeah just i'm just super grateful i feel like i have a lot of more questions but i'm like i'll hold those back for another one um yeah thank you so much for jumping on the podcast Thank you so much for having me, Mohammed. This was, I think, a very powerful conversation. And I think that it will resonate with so many individuals. No, definitely. Yeah. And guys, as we finish off the podcast here, you know, 
my intentions are for you guys to take some of these ideas and start implementing them in your day-to-day life and just start to really do the work that's required for you to be your most happiest self. And until next time, I want you all to stay in aware alpha.